Warning, the following podcast features terrible jokes, usually about board games. Like those jokes your dad tells that make you groan. Yeah, those kind of jokes. Accordingly, Boards and Swords and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate any joke performed on this podcast. Watch very closely now. Three, two, one. Zow. Check that out. We want the phone. <laughs> Gotta have that phone. Is it okay? It, so it, it's okay if like when the bread touches the fries. Do I really want to just stand still and cast a lightning bolt? No, I want to avoid you and shove a lightning bolt in your ass. I just crapped my <laughs> alien pants. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I just want to let you guys know. Uh-huh. You hate um, all of us and, and we're uh, fired. <laughs> I've, I've released poison into the AC system. <laughs> you all have about five minutes left to live. So much news. Like all Nothing's this stuff to happened. talk about. No, there's been some stuff, but it was all boring. You didn't go with C. Well, you need to go with C. And our friends, we we combined. You told that story. We combined. Have I told it on the podcast? I'm yeah. pretty sure yeah. you, you have. Told it. Well, I'm telling it again because I just realized as I was reading this that this game's already been done. They even made a show about it. It's called Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> and go watch it. This is Boards and Swords. Hey out there everyone, we are live, this is Boards and Swords, this is a podcast where we've got bad jokes, we've got good folks, and we've got some tabletop games here as well. I'm one of your hosts, uh, scrambling to put this whole thing together, I'm Chris Renshaw, and not only do we have uh, our normal our normal uh, co-host here, uh, Mr. Philip Herbig, but we also have Rich from ROKminis.com. Hey guys. Welcome, Rich, to the show. And Chris, normal? Is that uh, normal for this show? Okay. I mean, <laughs> the other guy who's always here who's not also normal, Philip. <laughs> All right. So, uh, real quick, Rich, before we jump into the news, why don't we give us a quick elevator pitch for what it is you do? Oh, yeah. Now I make toy soldiers for a living, which is pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, set up my own business, uh, making mostly 3D printed uh, miniatures uh, for a variety of games, um, mainly focusing on the small scale at the moment. It's all sort of 6 to 10 millimeter, so that is your classic epic uh, through Adeptus Titanicus and up to what was Warmaster scale. Um, Most of these names are now defunct Games Workshop games from the past, but uh, 3D printing has brought them back, so I'm... uh, putting together uh, miniature packages, game sets, really trying to grab that old school nostalgia of buying a big old box set of models and getting you know, two armies and a whole load of terrain to fight over. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting venture to, to go full time from a very stable and reliable job to, to doing this. But uh, now or never, right? Yeah, you got, you've already got Rusted Beetle in the chat room excited, uh, going, oh my gosh, 10 millimeter terrain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got, got quite a few options for 10 mil, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's gone down well, you know. I've gone to a couple of trade shows now, and uh, people seem to find the idea of being able to play a full-sized war game <laughs> on your coffee table uh, and store it away in a very small box uh, as uh, quite an appealing thing. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Rich is also one of the co-hosts of the Floorhammer podcast, yeah. which uh, I got to say is definitely one of the, the best Warhammer shows that I've seen, mainly because like I was looking at Warhammer podcasts like, OK, this one's like way too serious. And then this one's like <laughs> super talk competitive. I'm like, I don't know any of this thing, but like <laughs> the, the, the light take on the grim dark, as, as you say, is like just my speed. Yeah, we had to we had to not do it seriously. We're not we're not serious people in general. 
um and you know that you it's, it's great that some people do take the hobby seriously and that's that's great for them but for us it really is um just just throwing dice and having fun so yeah we try to capture that which is why this is a a great uh, great matchup i think well uh i can promise you that i will not play any uh random clips uh audio clips that uh, that that have been generated um or promos for your for for your uh audio clips promoting your, your oh, yeah. website uh but we are going to check we are going to test your warhammer knowledge later in the show <laughs> which you already know that's lacking so that'll be, uh, <laughs> that'll be great all right uh philip i think i think it's time to jump into some news all righty so uh, I spent forever typing out different Marvel jokes to try for this next story. Man, my fingers are Thor now. So yeah, I've worn. I've worn. It's at the top of the show. It says bad jokes. But uh, new Marvel board games are coming from Lord of Wa- Lords of Waterdeep co-designer and Rap God's creator. So that that last part was the big reason I put that on here. Um, we had Omari Akil. I don't know if you remember Philip for like Hoop Gods and Rap Gods like over a year yeah. ago. Uh, he's going to be now doing uh, a Marvel board game uh, for Wiz. Yeah, for Wiz Kids. Uh, so I'm going to skip actually the Age of Heroes one because that looks cool and all, but that's not the reason I picked this story. Uh, so the other Marvel themed board game set to be released by WizKids is Marvel Damage Control designed by Mario Keel, the creator behind the storytelling card game Rap Gods and the two player board game Hoop Gods. Marvel Damage Control presents players with the unique tabletop game premise of managing a cleanup crew for Marvel superheroes. I like that in the sense of it's not like the standard like oh your Marvel heroes are doing all these things it's it's something different rather than battling against the roster of villains threatening the city and damage control players are tasked with cleaning up the mess left behind after the fight Uh, as players shift through the wreckage they'll be searching uh, for whatever strange and alien objects they can fit in their respective vaults so you're basically the vulture in this game from from uh, that's that's what I'm hearing well it even says here similarly similarly to the uh, Michael Keaton's vulture character in Spider-Man Homecoming so yeah that I Go ahead. I had no idea this was coming. Uh, really not kept up to tabs on board games per se, but the fact that they mentioned Lords of Waterdeep got me very excited. If it's from the people who made that game, you uh, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, and the uh, I, I see uh, high tech boards here with like standees and stuff mm-hmm. for the other the other game, Marvel Age of Heroes, and yeah, Lords of Waterdeep's great. I even saw the also uh, Tyrants of the Underdark. That's the other board. I guess the same person that designed that. So Philip and I know that game pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on. Um, I don't have a joke for this next one because there was no way to do it properly. Uh, but they put lead designer of Vampire the Masquerade 5e. But this is like a very important guy. Uh, Kenneth Height is a big name in the RPG industry. Like, I'm pretty sure he even does a podcast called, uh, uh, I think it's like Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. It's gotten, like, multiple any awards and and different award things. But he was shot on the streets of Chicago. So, uh, lead designer of Vampire the Masquerade 5e under White Wolf Publishing was shot in the leg. So, as of of this, he's fine. Uh, Was shot in the leg as he headed home after 3 a.m. on January 6th. Uh, according to his social media post, he was walking home from a co-working session, which was only a block from his house when a car pulled up and two men with guns jump out, 
Words were exchanged, and Height took off running before the two men could react. They fired off four or five rounds in his direction, one of which hit him in the leg. The assailants then jumped back into the car and fled the scene before they could be arrested. So, uh, lots of well wishes sending this way, but I, I recognize the name, and it's, like I said, calling him just the lead designer of Vampire the Masquerade is, is very much underselling the point here. Um, I'm pretty sure he's done other things as well. I'd have to look them up, but I know I've seen that name in other RPG books. So, also the way that's fr- phrased, it makes it seem like it was something personal. I don't know, like the way that yeah. people like jumped out of the car and talked to him with him. That doesn't seem like a random mugging to me. That's just weird. It is. So, anyway, reading his Twitter post, I do like that he has, you know, he's he's in good spirits. He's like, hey, if you're in the market for a gunshot wound, I'd recommend this one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's good to hear. So uh, I thought it was important to mention, but uh, hopefully he gets better or he recovers soon. Uh, anyways, getting back into to the jokey jokes. Uh, there should be a Disney park in Canada because there it would always be Snow White. There we go. Uh, in August 2022, the what they so they Robinsberg announced that they're making a TCG called Disney Lorcana. Uh, well, they finally plan have released the plans uh, that they're going to do for releasing it from Robinsberger. Uh, they plan to release four sets of material each year, with the first set being titled, wait for it, Disney Lorcana, the first chapter. Cards will be published in English, French, and German, with the sets sold in the United States, Canada, and like all throughout England. Uh, it will be... Rolling, or it'll be rolling out at the game's debut at Gen Con 2023. Following its debut, it will debut at local stores on August 18th. Quote, supported by a robust organized play program. I don't know what that means. I don't know why it's in quote. I mean, I'm assuming they're quoting the press release. Followed by a mass market retail release on September 1st. So uh, if you love your if you love your Disney games and uh, you once had to fight off magic and you didn't think you get pulled back into that kind of thing, uh, this looks like it might be for you. They got a bunch of looks like they got a bunch of starter sets here. I'm seeing uh I'm seeing Sleeping Beauty and uh oh man, I'm having Gorilla Deville, Pocahontas, Maleficent, yeah, yeah. Frozen, and then it looks Simba. like Simba. There we go. Oh yeah, Simba. I've, I've, oh, okay. Yeah, because they're multiple packed, yeah. Yeah. So the starter decks it's look like, like old school Mickey too. Yeah, that's like Fantasia Mickey. Uh-huh. And I'm I, I, I what was you that? Mix up the you get to mix up the various Disney laws together, I guess. Yeah, I guess so because it looks like I'm seeing symbols on the side. Yeah, like, it looks like colors in magic. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, or sure maybe does. each character corresponds to like a different color kind of thing, and then it looks sort like there's. So they're also going to be sold in a gift set that contains four boosters, game tokens, two foil game cards, and oversized. Oh, they're going the Pokemon route with the oversized cards yeah. uh the first set you're gonna get mulan imperial soldier and hades king of olympus um i just hope we get like star wars set because that would be cool oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> but if they're if they're mixing stuff up it would have to be like i don't like um anakin skywalker but he's like just in the in the pod racer yeah just in the pod racer <laughs> <laughs> they're not gonna have him you murdering can... children no, nope, no, nope, he didn't. Well. He, he didn't go Jedi. <laughs> like he's still Force sensitive, but he's not trained. He's just the best pod racer ever. Oh, looks like you're. Uh, there's, they've also got a box that you can get. That's the Illumineers Trove that consists of eight booster packs, two deck boxes, and a player's guide. 
Ooh, this is like your fat pack, I think. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, this is just at. like ma- magic slash Pokemon all over again. Disney, right? Although I'm also I'm <laughs> also catching Kingdom Hearts the card game. Yeah, that too. Yep, I, I'm I'm feeling why they, that. Why didn't they put that on there? Surely that would be a license to print money. Well, it already is because it's Disney, but like <laughs> referencing Kingdom Hearts would. Well, just I set, feel. Every, set the I think blaze, if they right? did that, that's more money that has to go to like Square because oh, there's yeah, probably like a jo- there's probably like a joint thing there. Well, like. Maybe they own the name Kingdom Hearts, but like everything else is Disney. So, but I bet you, you go to a Disney park now, they're going to have this like everywhere. <laughs> or they're going to have it where you can get special cards, I bet, like foil versions. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know it. <laughs> Somebody oh, yeah. said, so go smash the, up for magic. <laughs> go on the Frozen ride and get a special Elsa card. Yeah. Oh man! Only if you come to uh, if you come to the parks between this month and this month, you can get this rare card. There was where was it? There was a I saw a thing in here where there are already people selling these cards. Like the game <laughs> isn't out yet. Where was it? I saw it on here somewhere. After a teasing with preview cards at various events, yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah. I think they handed out like promotional card, like a single card. The pub. Um, where was it? it was straight on eBay, right? Yeah, they just went straight Scouts on. They just went straight on eBay. I was trying to. F- I was trying to find this. I saw the, the the story where they were talking about it. Oh, okay, that's just the talking. Oh, they were talking about it at D twenty three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like their cards are already like huge amounts of money, and it's like the game's not even out yet. This is weird. All right, uh, buckle up because uh, we're about to head into the uh, the D and D portion of the news. Uh, we could have done an entire news segment uh, talking about the update, or you know, we talked about uh, we talked about the uh, OGL updates in the last show, but we've got more stuff to talk about. So uh, buckle up here. Uh, if you made an, a new RPG character and your father was a fantasy creature, would that make you a half dork? So, uh, <laughs> there's just nothing. <laughs> just, that's even worse than the pause. Is the just the nothing? <laughs> what? Paizo I hit a button. Oh, okay. Well, nothing played. <laughs> oh, Paizo releases their own open RPG creative license. So that's where the the orc comes from. O R C. So the new Paizo was not taking this whole open gaming license thing, uh, laying down. So they created their own system, uh, or not system, but license. The new open RPG creative license will be built system agnostic for independent game publishers under the legal guidance of Azora Law, which is an intellectual property law firm that represents Paizo. And the the kind of the big things about this is, so this isn't like a new system. So it's not like they're saying everybody's signing up for this system. It's just like, here's a legal document. You just say your game abides by the terms in this legal document, and then anybody can use it as dictated in this legal document. But the best part is, is that Paizo has said they won't own the document. So like if new management comes in, they can't just decide, oh, we're going to not learn from Wizards of the Coast and screw people over. <laughs> so the there's actually going to be the, the Azora Law is going to own the rights to the creative license. And then until Paizo is going to set up like a, a, a foundation, like they say, there's like the Linux foundation for like those open licenses. Um, so it'll, it'll be, it'll eventually be owned by an independent nonprofit. The The law firm will own it now until that gets, that gets set up. But there's actually two stories in this is that, so they started doing all, they started doing this and now 
there are hundreds, actually, there are 1,500 different tabletop RPG publishers have decided to like agree to this. Like just about anybody that, uh, anybody that you've ever heard of that's done like RPGs that isn't Wizards of the Coast is signed on to use this new system. Uh, so like just looking through here quick, like Chaosium. So that's your like Call of Cthulhu. Uh, let's see, uh, Fantasy Grounds is a virtual tabletop, Foundry, uh, that's another virtual tabletop, the people that do Free RPG Day, Gale Force 9, I didn't know they did RPGs, but <laughs> Green Ronin, I know, has done a bunch of different 5e stuff, Cobalt Press was one of the founding people along with, uh, Paizo on this, like, Monty Cook Games is on here, uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group, I'm just trying to see, Roll20, is on That's here. Yeah, so a whole bunch of people are signed up so far. Like, this is only just a sampling. Um, so a lot of people have gotten together. So this, this I like this. This is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> now, <laughs> now we go to the other end, the other end of the spectrum here. Uh, if you hire an assassin to take out someone who writes books, would that be considered deauthorizing? That's pretty good. <laughs> Don't uh, encourage him. So, so D and D was like, "Oops, we messed up, guys." <laughs> but uh, so they they decided going like way. Nobody saw this coming. On their most recent playtest release, they were like, "Well, we decided we're just going to do Creative Commons for <laughs> for some of the rule systems," uh, and that was like the big shock because that's like. There's already several legal documents out there that say, well, you technically don't need an OGL because as long as it's fair use and you don't use like the specific proper nouns that D&D uses, you're fine. The OGL really yeah. the OGL just really protects you from wizards trying to pull a cease and desist. But now they're like, no, screw it. Core rules are going out on Creative Commons. Uh, but it is going to deauthorize the the original 1.0 uh, edition. So they released their previously promised first draft, and it's a far cry. So this is the actual. So the original version that got released on the internet a couple weeks ago that was leaked from people that were getting it, like companies that would have to sign it, leaked the document. So now they did their first draft of like publicly releasing their OGL, uh, and it's a far cry from the document that was leaked two weeks ago. The game's popular or the popular tabletop games rule will now exist as part of a creative commons license. Uh, but the older OGL 1.0 will still need to be deauthorized according to wizards of the coast. Uh, this initial version contained two major additions. The core rules composing D and D's mechanics will be moved to the creative commons license, effectively removing the company's control over how they are used. And OGL 1.2 will dictate how creators use the non-rules materials from the system reference document. Uh, so that piece is like all the proper noun stuff. If you want to make a D&D &D adventure type thing, this is what you can and can't do. So, uh, yeah. So the practice, this means concepts such as monster sat blocks, saving throws, and what exactly counts as partial cover no longer require any legal capitulation on the part of third-party tabletop creators. 
they will still retain the rights to all those proper nouns. Like I said, cleric, owlbear, magic missile, etc. Um, so this is this is ultimately wizards doing the same thing, but um, <laughs> only after like all the smoke starting. As as Rusty Beetle says, you could smell the smoke from the Watsy <laughs> PR backpedal engine. <laughs> what license will then apply to third party p- creation? So there is, like I said, there is there there is going to be an OGL license 1.2. That's going to cover third-party stuff that references Wizards' intellectual property, but the rules pieces will be governed under Creative Commons. Or chances are most of these people are just going to end up using that Paizo's Open RPG license, creative license there, and I imagine that's going to probably be the way that most people end up doing. Which is really funny because the original OGL 1.0a. Like the people that wrote that were like Monty Cook, and now he's a part of the open gaming license, <laughs> the open RPG license. So it's just kind of like the like the the biggest fu. <laughs> it's it's also got a cooler name. It is. It does have a cooler name. It's the the orc license. The orc. <laughs> I mean, Having and then like that, the group of the group of people behind it, the Orc Alliance. Like mm-hmm. that sounds cool. Just oh. the, the, the thought of having a structured document that controls and and you know, regulates everything and calling it orc doesn't sit so well. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Orcs aren't very regulated. That is true. Uh, oh, Mike was asking, so third-party creations, do they fall into uh, uh, Creative Commons as well? Um, my understanding is that would be up to the actual third-party publisher. I'm sure someone's smarter than me, but that's they choose, you know, they would choose the license on their, like anything, if they create a new city or whatnot, they would choose how they're going to license it. My guess is probably most people would use the orc. Um, and then Rusted Beetles says their focus is still on making Sauron's Lord of the Virtual Tabletops and recurrent spending. Yeah, there was another article I didn't put in here um, that was talking, there was a bunch of, that was the other thing, there was a lot of D&D Beyond, like, um, there was a bunch of D&D Beyond rumors going out there, and there was another story talking about, like, no, that's not true, because, like, one of the rules was, like, a third, a $30 uh, monthly tier was, like, the, the the standard tier to be able to do, like, the stuff that you can do now. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, yeah, Rusted Beetle talks about, uh, so, Ginny D, who's, I've seen her on a lot of, like, the, the Wormwood Gaming, the people that make the nice wooden tables. Uh, she's mm-hmm. done some work with them, but apparently she was also the... Who she was the one that announced the launch for fifth edition, and she's like one of the first people that was like, "Ditch your D and D Beyond subs." <laughs> so, all right, uh, uh, we in just a minute we're gonna get to talking about some terrain, but uh, we have to get all awkward here for a minute, Philip, uh, because uh, this episode is actually sponsored. It is. We have a sponsor. That, that, um, All right. <laughs> right there. All right, hang on. I had, to, I had to pull up the screen. I got too many monitors working right now. <laughs> All right. So, support for Boards and Swords brought to you today by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Recently, they have launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off free worldwide shipping and using the code TEAMSWORDS at manscaped.com. All right. I'm going to get a little ballsy here, but uh, wah, wah, wah. Trimming, trimming that undercarriage is weird. Uh, there's, there's just no getting around that. Uh, 
You try not to get too close. You've got the door closed and like you're just anxious because you're just hoping no one knocks on the door and be like, what are you doing? So uh, just like my joke telling here, uh, I embraced the cringe and tried out the the Manscaped package. I'm really impressed. Uh, It's a great razor. Uh, Inside the performance package, you get their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, uh, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant and crop reviver toner. See, like, I feel like I named these things. This is like, this is why, like, people are like, what is this show doing doing this? But I'm like, if you think about it, this is like right up our alley. Uh, performance is. boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof. It also has a 4,000 LED spotlight uh, for a 4,000K LED spotlight to uh, uh, you need LED spotlight for if you need a more precise shave. Uh, all I got to say is if you if you're like me and uh, you you've you've done a whole bunch of walking back and forth between the Gen Con dealer hall and the hotel in the dead heat of summer, uh, you get kind of tired of chafing. <laughs> it's a real deal. Uh, so, uh, try the, the crop preserver below the waist deodorant, the crop reviver below the waist toner. It will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. And remember you can get 20% off and free shipping using code team swords at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped. All right. So that was, uh, again, thanks to them. It's it's awkward. Yeah, I know, but you know, they have reached out uh, to us so, and actually I want to try out for like game show background hosts now cuz that was <laughs> I think I uh, you you're underselling the LED uh functionality <laughs> as well because uh got a new set of power drills at home and the biggest upgrade was the fact that one of them came with LEDs so you can actually see what you're doing. <laughs> like, um, they 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 should, they should focus on that more. Oh yeah. All right, so uh, back to Rich. Uh, so something that we that we kind of glanced over is that this is a new venture for you. The the whole uh, minis yeah. thing, like it was some you've you've been a a gamer for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a bit. <laughs> how many edition? What was your first edition of Warhammer? Uh, the first time I ever tried playing forty k was second edition. Uh, and my friend tried to get me into it, but he didn't really know what he was doing either. Uh, so I really did not particularly enjoy that game. Uh, but I actually started playing in third. Um, but what got hooked, what got me hooked on it all in the first place was actually playing the Final Liberation video game, the Epic uh, video game for like 1997, I think it was. Um, that kind of hooked me into the background and the just ridiculousness of 40k. And then it was only a matter of time before. Uh, uh, I sunk in when they when they got the Lord of the Rings license, two thousand and one, I think that was. Um, that was that was it. I was hook line sink for them. But third edition was good. Um, current forty k isn't isn't doesn't gel well with me, but uh, that's just personal preference. Mm. So all right, so then when did you decide? All right, I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna swap over here. <laughs> I mean, it was ah. Oh, so I suppose. You know, uh, everyone everyone references COVID for just about everything these days. But uh, the pandemic, I think, being stuck work from home, I was in a very office-based job as I have been since I left uni, uh, working in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and, you know, it was very lonely and isolating. And I realized that I don't actually mind working by myself. Um, 
and I kind of had the, I don't the need people I could work for myself <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah and then just about the, after the pandemic my wife got a completely new role in her company and went from a part-time role because we got an eight-year-old boy to full-time um, so I kind of had to do the reversal really right um, and, and flip to a more flexi working uh, short day kind of arrangement but then I thought well I've got a little bit of extra time now thanks to that maybe I should start sort of making and selling some stuff on the side uh, that's when I started uh, labeling myself as uh, the terrain creator because um, I wanted to start doing terrain um, but then I slowly got more and more into the small scale minis uh, and terrain and kind of wanted to, to do a big push for it. So I went with um, booking some trade shows and uh, as they got closer and closer, I realized I needed more and more time yeah. um, to, to do things properly because I don't like doing things half half baked. You know, I wanna, I wanna make sure things are done correctly. Um, and I ended up deciding to take the sabbatical uh, approach. So uh, the company I work for thankfully had a you know, process to pause your pause your job for a period of time and um, I, I took a six months break from work and in that break just sort of went for it and just you know gave it all my effort really and a few months in I kind of got to the point where I was like oh I can actually I can do this full time now uh, if, I, if I take a bit of a leap um, and you know with my wife's support as it's a joint decision really uh, I've uh, I've gone for it and I've uh, this is the in fact next week will be my last day at my current employer and my last wow. day uh, employed, I'll be completely self-employed beyond that. So it'll be, uh, yeah, quite a new experience for me. That's got to be that's got to be pretty pretty scary, at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean it is it is scary to not have a regular salary every month. Um, <laughs> it's not uh, that that part's not ideal, um, <laughs> but uh, in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's it's a net. It's a net positive, you know. I'm actually the funny thing is, like, I'm actually working about twice as much as I used to beforehand. <laughs> but uh, I actually enjoy the work that I'm doing now. Yeah, you never work in a day. Isn't that the saying? Like, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's still work. Uh, there's still <laughs> I have to do as part of it that I don't particularly want to do uh, that are necessities. But uh, generally speaking, I mean, you know, I'm 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 feeling uh, a lot more reward. Uh, what it is that i do yeah i'm sure tax time funny, it doesn't funny, um, it doesn't come it doesn't feel like play much then no no <laughs> a funny comment from rusted beetle in the chat actually i actually work for an american company or i currently am still employed by a, a U. I, it doesn't really matter if i say it's johnson and johnson oh wow um so you know big u.s corporation and they they have the, the sabbatical option i'm not i'm not actually sure how common it is in the uk uh, to, to to get that option so you know for me it was uh it was one of the things where it's like, oh, this is a pathway that I can actually explore. And it felt like it would be too good an opportunity to turn down having that safety net for the first X number of months. Because I was on a three months notice period. So I still had to decide, you know, fairly shortly after going on leave. But it gave me that safety net to kind of, yeah, like like nice guy Mike says, it's a leap of faith. But it was a leap of faith with just a little bit of security underneath. Yeah, exactly see me through it is it's definitely it, it helps that uh, that awkwardness of like i'm leaving hey can i come back <laughs> yeah and you know I, I have a very good relationship with my manager where i can be fairly honest about this the state of things so i think she knew pretty early on it's like well i don't want to come back but you know that option remains there because i you know my job stays open so 
it's a little less a little less stressful when that's the case. <laughs> Leap of faith from <laughs> yes. Indiana Jones, then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So, one like talking about like the f focusing on your actual products here so i'm assuming a lot of this or almost all of this is probably 3d printed stuff right yeah it is it's 3d printed stuff um and you know i got into 3d printing uh, during the during lockdown um one of the many that we had here in the uk um and you know i i realized that okay, it's it's its own hobby um and you know all the, the all the chat of like 3d printing is going to kill games workshop and all those sort of things, I think people are, are missing that it is an entire hobby uh, in and of itself. Um, there's a whole new skill set and space and setup and everything you need. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really got into the, the just the, the, the concept of like you have an idea where you can physically generate that idea in a relatively short amount of time, um, which you know is something that's you know before not been done. And you know I've always had desires to. Um, come up with ideas for minis and things like that, but I've never had the sculpting skill. My green stuff work looks like a four-year-old. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> even the most basics were, were just a, uh, a no-go. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm very much focused now on um, curating, I suppose, um, work done by the digital sculptors, and then I, I 3D print and put these box sets together. That's um, what I was going to ask, is if, if you made the, the sculpts or if you just you know licensed or what you know get yeah, stuff so, to... <laughs> yeah um i my friend ian will kill me if i don't point out that the trees that are on display on the small box set that's on screen i sculpted myself but everything else <laughs> everything else is is licensed um prints so it is all by digital sculptors who have a paid licensing uh um, arrangement you know i can lean on creative Commons stuff some of it but yeah. um, i would much rather get it from the source of the you know the professional sculptors um which you know means that you end up with a much more reliable product when it comes to printing um and you you'll see from the screen i only sell my uh products based off of physical prints uh painted where i get the time to actually paint them um but you'll see a lot of 3d printers will sell off of a 3d render um and for right. me that wasn't good you know i i felt that i wouldn't be comfortable clicking buy and having no idea what was going to turn up in the post and I, I didn't want my customers to to have that same experience of like well i'm guess i'm going to gamble on this you know i want people to see what it actually looks like um and what, what they're going to get okay most of it's unpainted um i do sell some stuff painted as an option but you know i want people to understand that this is what i'm actually going to get uh when it arrives in the post all right so look uh now, I imagine a lot of the terrain pieces are very, you know, miniature aesthetic, but I know there's some pieces here that's like, you know, rat horde units or dark elves. I'm seeing square bases on these, which they uh, are. But the, yeah, a lot of that stuff's the fantasy. Uh, yeah. The fantasy stuff is uh, the miniatures are actually designed for Warmaster by the sculptors, which is the old 10 millimeter uh, system that Games Workshop used to make in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, which they then stopped supporting. Um, so people of 3D designers have picked up the, the, the banner and sort of carried it on. Um, but I also like to play it in Kings of War. Um, so Kings of War is a really good game. If people haven't played it, it's fantastic. Um, my friend and I started doing this and that's where it, where, where, you know, spun off from. And, and we play using centimeters instead of inches. Um, so there's no maths, which is a massive win. Um, <laughs> 
and it shrinks the play area down to the same size as a Warcry slash Kill Team uh, gaming area, which is 22 by 30 inches, I think. Um, so that means that you can play a full rank and, fly, rank and file uh, fantasy game with dragons and everything uh, on your coffee table. So you haven't got to have a massive 6x4 because Warmaster needs a 6x4. So gotcha. It, it yeah, that's your, that's your standard Warhammer sized battlefield. Um, yeah, that's Mantic, right? That that Kings of War? Yep. Yep. Mantic for Kings of War. Um, and, you know, um, they're one of the great uh, makers that puts up the core rules um, on their website for free. Um, and all of their stat blocks for their troops uh, are available for free. Um, you know, you want special rules and extra stuff like that, then you can buy the book to support them. But you can at least try their game uh, without having to, to buy a bunch of rule books. Which is, which is, you know, for me is fantastic. And obviously I sell a lot of these games as miniatures, as rules agnostic. People can use whatever rules they feel like. You know, um, One Page Rules does a, um, a regiment's um, rule set for, for rank and file gaming. So you've got a lot of options, really. So Sorry, I got, dist- <laughs> I got distracted by Rusted Beetle saying, Dead Zone for life! <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Mantic are, uh, Mantic are a really good company when it comes to things like that. You know, that they, they make their games approachable by people they you know, they want to sell models at the end of the day and make money because they're a business, but they don't um, shut the door on people that want to try out their games. They, right. they, they very much set a very low barrier to entry to, to, to get in. So uh, I guess we answered the question because uh, we had Russell Beetle ask if you sell the STL files or printed only. So the, yeah, this is only printed and yeah. shipped. You know, because no, they're, they're printed and shipped. I mean, I will always tell people where these files come from. One, um, I have to on the listing <laughs> um, because that's part of the rules. But if people come up to me and ask me at trade shows, like, oh, I have a 3D printer. Where did you get those from? You know, I want to tell them I want the sculptors to be successful because they've done the hard work to make these models. Right. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, by the time you've bought the STL files and you've got your resin, if you, if you do have a 3D printer, because printing at this scale does require some more complicated resins for the for the, the fact that you don't want anything brittle that's going to break because the things are small. Um, by the time you've gone through that, people are still buying my, my stuff, even if they have a 3D printer, because it's, it, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I've done the investment, so to speak. Um, but I'll, I, you know, I'll always tell people where these files come from because uh, the sculptors are, are doing an amazing job. And you know, I, I don't like printing freebie things. I like to, you know, print the paid-for stuff because you know, at the end of the day, it's supporting another small business. Gotcha. So, uh, what we got a, another question for us to be: What resin are you using to print the stuff out of? <laughs> Uh, I use an engineering grade resin. I don't want to share too much information because I've put a lot of effort into uh, <laughs> getting myself to the point where I've I've got the resin mix, etc. Um, but it's not going to be so. So a little bit more professional than if you just printed the them off yourself on a resin printer. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, yeah, you, you could print them off on the resin printer. You'd have to buy the right materials, and they're not cheap. You know, there there are there are grades of resin. Um, for printing the terrain, I use the regular ABS, like it's referred to, resin uh, made by Elegoo or one of the manufacturers. Um, but for the small scale stuff, uh, it's too brittle. Um, you know, for a large hunk of terrain, not a problem at all. Uh, units with a spear that's like a millimeter or so thick. Um, at the handle, you, you need something that's got a bit of flex to it. Right. But just saying, like, this isn't, you know, you're paying for more than just, um, than, than, like, the, the, there's, 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 what am I trying to say here? Yeah. I mean, print, print, 3D printing is not drag and drop, you know? Right. Um, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot goes into, you're paying for uh, a professionalism. That's... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
you know. So this... now, when you when you do you mix your own resin? Like, are you Walter White? You've got the respirator and the <laughs> whole setup no, not going quite on. That far. Oh, no, okay. no, that's not. It's not uh, not not quite that far. But uh, you know, I, I it's one of those things where it's like I, I you know I three D print for a job now. Um, I I know how the technology works. I I've got a pharmaceutical background. Um, I still it still blows my mind that you 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 know you, you set it off to run and you come back X amount of hours later and there's a physical and there's product. a thing <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so oh, that was on my screen just now you know I know how it works and it still makes me think wow that's cool um, it's like Star Trek in my living room or wherever <laughs> whatever room garage yeah I wouldn't put it in your living room <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, some people like just wearing gas masks around in their living room I mean sure. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to spark the uh, is resin safe uh, debate because you have two schools of um, you have the people who are like, nah, it's fine. You just drink it. You won't die. Um, and you have some people who are like, if you come within three, you know, three miles of it, you're going to get cancer. Um, whereas, <laughs> as, as with all things, it's actually a bit more of a middle ground. <laughs> Mike said, as, no, as Mike pops up in the chat, <laughs> no kink shaming here. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. <laughs> So uh, you were talking about like trade trade shows and such. So when you go to the shows, are you going to sell things or are you going more as just promotion? I mean, the ones I've been to so far have been trade shows. Um, so I have a sales table. Um, and one one of the shows I went to, I also had an adjacent demo table um, so people could try playing Kings of War um, was, was what we put out um, to, to, to kind of showcase uh showcase what you can do with the miniatures but yeah i've, I've only been to trade shows uh so far and yeah i've got a couple of friends who've come along and helped me out which has been great um and uh it's it's been um really good to actually get to interact with people and right. i think that i think that the the, the the tactile nature of miniature wargaming means that people want to pick up the models and have a look you know i've got all the painted stuff out in front of me and the number of people have come up and they're you know, they're bending down and they're trying to have a look and i you know i say to them oh you can pick up and have a look and they're like oh i can touch this and it's like well it's a wargaming model if you can't pick it up and shove it around the battlefield it's not a very good miniature um so i think people are just a bit reticent and then once they you know once they pick it up they're like oh right and they can have a look at the details and turn it around and i think that to not be at the shows you know with people's chance to come and actually you know, handle the goods, so to speak, I think it, it would be a massive, um, massive loss to give up on that. And it's so nice to get to talk to other gamers. Um, you know, again, I, I left the previous job because I wasn't happy, but the one element that I did enjoy was always communicating with other people. And I was always working with colleagues, not in my location, you know, remotely. So now being able to talk to other gamers and hobbyists and enthusiasts face to face at these events has, has been really awesome. So uh, I got uh, Russell Beetle asked, "Do you have a Form Labs printer?" I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a it's a brand. It's the it's the like engineering grade um, ah. 3D printer, like the serious business. Uh, no, I don't. I use Elegoo satins to do all the actual printing on um, because at six to ten millimeter, you don't need um, like an eight K uh, resolution printer. So you don't you don't need anything. I mean, the the pres the printer that I've got can resolve. Um, a printed element the same width as a human hair, which for 10 millimeter scale gaming is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, once you start scaling up to doing like large busts and things that need actual text, like cloth texture and things like that, then it would make a big difference. But at this scale, it's, it's not a necessity. Uh, yeah, we got a, I think six to six to 10 millimeter scale gaming should be pushed for large scale combat again. Cool. 
I see that. Oh, I just, so good. They're so tiny, though. <laughs> they're so tiny. But they're all ranked up, generally speaking. Or if you're playing a sci-fi game like Epic, they're on their little bases or stands. So it's not too bad to actually move them around. And you, you, you get that general ship feel as you're like moving whole detachments of stuff across the table. It does, it does feel a lot more grand, even though the models are smaller. It gives you more of a god complex with the whole thing, I think. So, uh, hmm... Trying to think of what else. Other, any other? Feel free to drop any other questions into the chat. Just just trying to think of anything else. Uh, what's the what's your what's the future for the minis uh, that you've got so far? Well, um, yeah, what's coming out next? So, I mean, obviously, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing, and I've got some shows booked in. I have one in two weeks time in the UK. That's quite um, a medium sized show, and then in April, I've got Salu, which is our version of Adepticon, I guess. Um, it's the, the biggest uh, wargaming show in the UK. It's their 50th anniversary as well, so it's quite a big show. Um, quite a lot of people are going to be there. Um, and I've got the UK Games Expo this year as well, which is the something like 40,000 people attend that. So I'm actually kind of like, a, that one's got me quite nervous. Oh, I bet. Um, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, a big, it, that's a big deal. But I've got you know some new gaming products coming out. Um, some products coming out in 15 mil scale of more of a skirmish nature um, that, I, that I'll be working on putting up in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I see questions in the chat. Uh, shipping to the US. Yes, I ship to the US. I've got no idea what the VAT um, slash duty is to the US. I think you have to spend something like $600 before uh, import duties get applied. But please do not quote me on that. You have to look <laughs> on your government website. Um but yeah, I mean, it's, it has been tricky. You know, shipping to Europe now costs more money. Thanks, Brexit. We won't get into that. Yeah, yeah. But um, actually, it's funny that it's actually simpler to ship to the US than it is to ship to France, which is like, I don't know, like 100 Infinitely miles closer. <laughs> mad. It's mad. Uh, ROK is my initials, Richard O'Keefe. Um, and it tied in with rock, as in a rock. And my friend did the, the logo for me, kind of gave things a rocky texture. So we kind of just mashed it all together. Uh, yeah, uh, it's not out yet, but I am uh, probably this week putting out a uh, reduced scale Gaslands set. So I guess this is first notice of that to anyone who, who has any uh, interest in that. So you can play Gaslands on your coffee table. There you go. I have to, I've signed up with a certain, uh, talking about the licensing thing ties in pretty well, actually. Uh, Mike Hutchinson and I think Osprey Games do the publishing uh, for Gaslands. They have a system where you can sign up and contribute um, a very nominal fee uh, to be part of their licensing arrangements so you can stick the tag of Gaslands on your products even though they're not made by the people who make Gaslands. It's pretty awesome. Make it really user-friendly. <laughs> Friends of Gaslands. Friends of Gaslands, that's what they call it, yeah. Oh, there you go. Make it really easy. Sorry, just give me one second because everybody's video froze. <laughs> oh, we got we got a little ways for. I was trying to keep it on because it seemed oh, like look, it was, ex except for Chris. Yeah, well that's very convenient. Well, that's very convenient. Chris's video is the only one that's work. Uh huh. All right, all right. Chris, what? I know where you sleep. Um. Yes. Remember, no kink shaming. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to like refresh stuff, but it does not seem like it wants to work. No, that's that's it's the extent of my IT knowledge. That is, refresh it and or turn it off and on again. Like, yeah, I don't want to turn the stream off. <laughs> oh heck, no, no, that's the problem with that, isn't it? You're kind of you're locked in now. Yeah. Okay, it's a good picture of me. I'm digging it. <laughs> There's only a slight glare on my head. Oh yeah, well let's not let's not delve into that too much. <laughs> 
I was gonna say you've got a you've got a fellow comrade here for that fellow. I was gonna yeah, say, yeah, yeah but like, and that? and it looks like it looks like Rich has done the same thing. It's like it's it's not that we're going bald. It was a migration down to the chin. Exactly. That's when I decided that this would be my desk setup in this space because this was you know when I was working from home etc. I did not think about the fact that I was gonna be on camera a lot. It's the job that I did have, and obviously now I can I do. And my light is directly above my head. It is like the single worst placement. Um, yeah, glare is an issue. Oh, the audio's coming through okay, um, yep. Mike says. Yep, I was seeing I was seeing that. I was just trying yeah, to... Yeah, but Mike, is that a good thing, though? Oh. It gives you all of this to edit out the podcast when the podcast version exactly. comes out, so enjoy that. Yep, Th this, is, this is the... Ha We're doing it live! The joys of editing. Yeah. I've even tried to reset the, the, scare, the capture thing that I use. Uh, oh, yeah. Eh, whatever, we'll deal with it later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will just throw it on here so at least you can see something there. All right, because we're getting towards the end of the, the show uh, anyways. But before we do, I have a game show. Um, do you, do you, do you, do you, how often do you regularly do game show elements? Um, pretty often. Most episodes. But you would think I would be good at them? I mean, we all know that. Well, not we all, but many people know that I've been through enough game shows with Dave on the Floor Hammer podcast that uh, it's... Uh, I feel I feel fine. I don't well, think it's it's okay. You got it. You got a fifty-fifty chance of of winning on this one. Oh, I like that. That's so, way better odds than I normally get. Yeah. The this so the, I'm calling this. Are you smarter than a Warhammer player? And so uh, you've got the history with Warhammer, but Philip Philip is he 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 knows he knows the background a little bit. He's familiar, okay. but he's no he's not played the full on forty k game, so. Rich, I'm gonna ask you. These are all numbers-related questions. I'm gonna oh, ask. You, I'm gonna ask you numbers-related questions, and then Philip, you're gonna guess is he is he is the real answer higher or lower, or is he actually uh, on point? Okay. All right. So we'll start off somewhat. <laughs> does Philip have Warhammer 40k Munchkin? I don't think so, actually. Wait, does that exist? It does exist. Yeah, it does. Good. There's also Warhammer Age of Sigmar Munchkin. Philip loves Munchkin. Right. He's already ordering it right now. I can see him okay. going. Okay. First off, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, start off with question number one. Right now, if you went on GW's website for 40K, how many different combat patrol boxes could you find? Oh, no. Um... Combat patrol boxes. Combat patrol boxes, which are, these are like I mean, the... It's difficult for Philip to guess. Oh, he doesn't even know how many races are in 40k. Exactly. Oh, man. That doesn't give me advantage at all. Uh, I'm going to say there are 14 combat patrol boxes. Okay. And the way this is work is if Philip guesses wrong, then you get the point. Okay. So, Philip, Rich has said 14 is the actual answer for uh, how many different combat patrol boxes. Is it higher or lower? Higher. Higher. Uh, that is, uh, correct. What? There are 23 combat patrol boxes that you could find on... Are there, like, 21 codexes in 40k? <laughs> How does that happen? Well, you gotta think there's a, there's a Dark Angels one, there's an old... Oh, old, sure, sure, sure. And there's, like, yeah. I think there's a Black, there's, like, a Black Legion and a Chaos Space Marines one, I think. I don't remember. But you already said there was a Dark Angels one. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, so... That, that's a point for Philip. All right. Number two. This is probably, I, I will give you, this might be the hardest one on here. But according, I, I found this on Bell of Lost Souls. At the start of the Horus Heresy, 
At the start of the Horus Heresy, how large were the ultra ultramarines? The, the the poster boy for 40k is those blue marines. How many marines were in the ultramarines at the start of the Horus Heresy? Now, for Philip, some context. After the Horus Heresy, uh, the leader of the ultramarines said, the legions are too big. We need to cut everything down so that not one person can control so much stuff. And he dictated that chapters uh, could only have a thousand members. And then after a thousand, you were split off into a new chapter. So this, (laughs) unless you're one of the people that doesn't adhere to him, (laughs) but uh, in the, in the before times, first founding was like 20 something chapters, but most of them died during the Horus heresy. I don't know. I'm going to say a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand. All right, Philip. Above or below, or is he on target? And we'll say, like, you know, within a margin of error. You don't need to get the exact, like, des- to the to the point. Right. Um, I'll, I'll say the number is below. The number is below. Actually, <laughs> 250,000 Marines what? in the Ultramarines wow. at the start of the Horus Heresy. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's one. You, you may have actually had this, this, this next one. In what year did the third edition box set of 40 K come out? Bonus points if you can get the month, but I'm just looking for the year. Yeah. Oh, year based questions are the worst. (laughs) You think something's recent and it isn't. Um, right. Third edition. Third edition box set. I'm going to say it was summer of 98, so July 98. It almost always comes out just before summer holidays. Okay, July 98. What do you think, Philip? I'll say he's on point. October 98. So oh, that, that's... I, the summer holidays. I think, that, I think that's in a margin of error. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say you both get points for that one. All right. Okay. So if you go to GW's website, they have like their press page that has like Ah, here's all the great things that we do. We produce millions of minis every year, blah, 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 blah. They have a listing of how many stores you can find their models in across the world. Like, and I'm assuming this means all stores because I don't know if there are this many. I don't think there are this many games workshop stores. So I believe this is, so how many stores can you find games workshop products in? Or at least about how many? Again, we're going with the margin of error here. 20,000? I know something like 500 and something actual GW stores. I'm sure I remember them opening the 500th store. Okay. But, um, Would you yeah, say 20,000? 20,000? Philip? I'm going to go with under again. You're going to go with under. Uh, that would be... There were only 5,000 stores, it said. That seems really low. That's why for a second I was like, wait, is that... 5,000 stores in the UK that said... (laughs) Where'd they get their own information from? That's where it says it. Again, this is on their press page. Yeah, cool. Okay, so uh, we're going to get nerdy on this one. All right. Uh, In April 2022, the balanced data site dropped that gave a whole bunch of units armor of contempt which became like everyone was now in contempt of Angry. armor of contempt, which so it quickly became hated by almost everyone. So on the Facebook post that announced the data slate, you know how Facebook does the emojis that you can react to? Yep. How many people reacted to the post with the angry face emoji? Oh, that's yes. difficult to answer because that's everyone's in the fan base's default reaction. <laughs> uh, oh, it's got to be like... Several thousand, three thousand. I'm gonna say three thousand. Philip, higher, higher. 
<laughs> he knows the community. 27. Oh. He was what? only 27. There was way well, more like played, likes and everything. That's why. Huh? They hadn't played it yet. They hadn't played it yet. Yeah. They hadn't had to do the mental gymnastics required to implement the armor, the armor of contempt rule. Exactly. Why. All right. Two more questions here. Uh, so I believe I, I heard about this on on uh, on uh, Floorhammer, but when released, the Kill Team box Shadow Vaults. So we're gonna use we're using USD here, but it cost one hundred eighty five dollars on GW's website and sold out like immediately. Like everybody wanted this box. It's now like impossible to find, except yeah. you can find it on eBay. Oh, what is no. the most expensive listing for this box on eBay? $185. Oh, someone's put it up there at $500 because they're an absolute a-hole. Okay, Philip? I'm going to say higher. Woof. Uh, <laughs> I like it. It was oh. $494.73, so I must say that's a margin of error. <laughs> oh, God. Should have done prices right. I'm going to do uh, $499 as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, and I went a little goofy on this one. So... Uh, for, but however, let me, let's start with, um, Rich, why, uh, cause you've done this, you've, you've played this, this, uh, game longer than I have Explain to most of our audience. What is forge world? <laughs> forge world is a way to show off to your friends that you love the hobby more than they do. Uh, so it's, 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 uh, an, oh my God, the, legally I have no idea, but it's a subsidiary of games, workshops, manufacturing that made resin models. Uh, then they made some plastics, then they didn't, then they did. And um, yeah, now they just make add-on stuff for, for the game system. And it, it's all print to order, but it's all very expensive, or at least it can be. So It's super expensive, yeah. There's, <laughs> they, they've gone from being like, oh, that's pricey, but you know, it's a nice little thing to have for your army as a centerpiece to like, I ain't ever going to be able to afford that. All right. Uh, and for this one, we're going to have you both guess an answer for this one. But... <laughs> On Forge World, the most expensive model. Uh, do you know this one? Do you know what the most expensive model is? This isn't the question. I'm just curious. It's the Warlord Titan complete kit. It is the Tal Manta. Just, just, just barely. Just barely. Is that the Warlord Titan without any of the stuff you actually need to use it? I oh, I didn't know about. I was just going off a pure listing price. But, you got to add on the arms and the head. And all yeah. That. But the Tau Manta costs $1,875.50, which I find the 50 cents part to be ridiculous. That's, 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 that's the make or break. Really. <laughs> like, oh, I only had 149 cents. I only had 100 or 1875 but it's 50 cents. Jeez. So because, you know, that's not the, that, you know, depending on the time of year, that could be a that could be a decent investment. But if we took that amount of money and we converted it to gold, how many ounces of gold would you get? Like, how many ounces of gold does a Tal Manta cost? Oh, jeez. I don't even know what the price of gold is. Well, that's the that's uh, the kicker. If you did, uh, you'd know the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably more expensive. Than... I tried Bitcoin, but I figured that would be out the water. Can, can you? Can, can yeah, I Bitcoin, that would be decimal points. That's... Uh, the UK now, you so know what? I will do an ounces to grams for you. Oh, please, just... don't. it's 113 grams is an ounce. Are you still? <laughs> well, that's four ounces. Sorry. That's oh wait, let me eight. not doing it in the window that y'all can see. <laughs> but no, if 28. We needed to know ounces to grams. Yeah. Um. Oh, pff, I don't know. 
three ounces of gold for that much money? I have no idea what gold's worth. Uh, I'm going to say... Yeah, this was years ago. I used to watch that show Gold Rush <laughs> on Discovery. Uh, I'm going to say you need maybe seven ounces. Seven ounces. Yeah. So, Rich, what did you say again? Was it three, three ounces? Three, I don't know. Yeah. So, so, so Rich, you're closest, but it's not even an ounce of gold. It's 0.977 ounces of gold is a Talmanta. You're joking. According, oh, wow. Maybe Games Workshop isn't so expensive. After as, of, as of this morning. <laughs> as, oh, man. Like an ounce of gold is like, uh, an ounce of gold is like $1,900. Jeez. At All least right. of the website. And I checked like two of them. So I was like, because you never. Enough. Yeah. You, you check. That's more than most people do when they say that. Yeah. Okay. How much does it cost to like rip the gold out of electronics? <laughs> yeah. Like anybody got, got some gold stuff laying around here. <laughs> Any, anybody got some gold fillings? I got I to gotta tell Manta to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I got an old high. I got a high school class ring. That's like half one. Cause it, there you <laughs> go. That's like, that's not pure gold. All right, so the, thanks, Rich, for coming on the show. Uh, get, one last time, anything you want to, anything you want to pitch, anything people should do uh, to to check out your stuff and keep track of anything new coming out. I mean, yeah, if people want to follow me on social media, I'm on the various platforms under ROK Minis in some format. Uh, whether it's an underscore or not, I've got no idea. Whatever the system forced me to do, but yeah, I'm on all the social media. That's where I usually um, put out any new releases um and any anything that i'm working on um so people can kind of see what's coming down the line all right let's roll that i'm gonna roll it here play the dang thing that's been our episode this uh this night guys if you love what we're doing you want to watch us live you got to check out boardsandswords.com slash live that's got the schedule and the links to all of the streaming channels all right send us feedback we love it Feedback at boardsandswords.com. You can find us on Facebook at Boards and Swords Pod. I'm on Instagram at Boards and Swords Chris. And then there's 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 Twitter and stuff. Boardswords.com has links to everything else, like our Patreon. We didn't mention it because we figured you probably got tired of hearing me talk about balls. Uh, check it out. Help support the show. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another show and hopefully working equipment. So in the meantime. Remember that every gamer has a story and uh, go print some minis <laughs> or go check out RK minis and get it shipped. <laughs> I need to print them instead. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been great. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Rusty Beetle. Catchphrase. <laughs>